name, and I couldn't figure out who it was. Go ahead and, uh, and share that, and my wife might have something along those lines as well. Do you need to? Yeah, I yes. <laughs> I should have brought it with me, and I just thought I, I didn't. <laughs> God gave me a little love note for somebody this morning. You were not defeated this morning. You may be struck down, but you are not destroyed. If that first song didn't set you free that we sang this morning, go home and listen to it on repeat. You are victorious this morning. It is promised. Be encouraged. Be built up. The God of heaven and earth has you in his hands. Amen. Already got Oh, you can keep that one. Did you have something more on it? I can take over baby duty. Take over baby duty. <laughs> it's funny because as soon as I had just turned to Steve, I think I might have something to share this morning. What did I have on me? A baby shoe? <laughs> Praise God for his joy. Um, when we were singing that song this morning, it reminded me of what we were talking about in the Women's Fellowship yesterday about resting in him and the fact that we are to rest. We're called to rest no matter what. And um, the first song that we sang this morning was, If our God be for us, then who can be against us? You know, his word says he goes before us. I came home yesterday after the fellowship, and I was talking to Pastor. I said, you know, I can't get this picture out of my head. God goes before us, and he, it says he makes our way straight. So whatever attacks the enemy tries to put up there, hindrances, he's going, no, no, that has to move. That has to move. Before you're even there, he's moving it out of your way. And then it says he hedges us in from behind. He's our rear guard. So picture this. God's already making the way straight, and he's coming behind you. And when, when he's behind you, he's watching out. Nothing's going to come up from behind and sneak up on you. Then it says he holds us in the palm of his hands. So he's in front of us. He's behind us. He's got us in his hand. Nothing shall by any means pluck us out. <laughs> Nothing can pluck us out. He says our names are written in the palm of his hands. We may be struck down, but we are not discouraged. We're not defeated. Why? Because he's in the beginning. He's in the front of us. He's behind us. He's underneath of us. But then he goes on further and says, he walks alongside of us. He walks alongside of us. So what do we have to be discouraged about? Amen. <laughs> the God of all, Yahweh is with us. Yahweh goes before us. He watches from behind. He undergirds us. He walks alongside of us and strengthens us. His joy is with us. Amen. So for whoever that is this morning, be encouraged because God is for you. And nothing can be against you. Amen. Well, if that word ministered to you, we'd love to hear about that. Also let Chelsea just know directly. Always helps to know that something you're receiving from God is ministering to the folks that are around. We're going to be in a number of places this morning as we continue the series on a heart condition. Most of the references are in your outline, and we'll give you some more, a couple of others that uh, didn't quite make it in there as we, as we go on. But there was an early man who uh, was on a beach, and he found a magic lamp. How many of you ever wanted to be on a beach and find a magic lamp? He picked it up and, you know, he did what you do in the movies and he rubbed on it and a genie appeared. And he says, because you have freed me, I want to grant you a wish. So the man thought for a moment and then he responded. And he says, my brother and I had a fight 30 years ago and he hasn't spoken to me since. I wish that he will finally forgive me. There was a thunder slap and a genie declared, your wish has been granted. The genie said, he went on and said, uh, you know, that's kind of an unusual request. Most people are asking for wealth and fame. 
He said, uh, but you only asked for the love of your brother. Is it because you're old and dying? And he says, no, but my brother is, and he's worth about $60 million. Sometimes, the thing that we love is not always readily available for us to see. The thing that we love may appear to other people to be something else. Just like in this story, it appeared that he really loved his brother, but that's not exactly what it is. So we entitled this particular sermon, Do You Love Me? And just so you don't ever forget it, we have a prop to help you out with that. Yep. Do you love me? Do you love me? Just picture this as uh, as God asking, do you love me? Do you love me? We looked at some of the actions of pride, and we're just about finished these. We said that the actions of pride is kind of like uh, smelling a dirty diaper. You can tell the diaper is dirty by the odor that it gives off. And we can tell by the actions that we have and the smell that they give whether we are in pride or not. If we're in pride, what does God say about us? He resists us. We don't want to be in that spot. People that are in pride have actions like these. First off, we went over that they blame others, not themselves. That's not good. We, we, we don't want to be blaming other people all the time. Because some things, folks, are our fault. Sometimes we've gotten into a fight with somebody. And we come home and we say, well, they did this and they did that and they did this and they did that. And I didn't do anything. And that's wrong. I did something. <laughs> don't always be blaming other other people. People in pride are always blaming other people. People who have that false humility are always blaming themselves. Both are wrong. We gave the example of the car. Remember, if you're, if you're going to get the car fixed, you want the thing that is wrong to be fixed. Not, not anything else. You want the thing that is wrong to be fixed. Uh, it doesn't do any good if they fixed the transmission, and that wasn't the problem. It doesn't help. Find out what is to blame. God brings, brings us to a place of repentance. There are people that go around the country right now preaching this uh, gospel of ultra grace that God does not, after you get born again, you never need to repent. That's wrong. Don't receive that stuff. Because God wants us to repent because if we don't repent, we don't change. If we don't change, we don't grow. We've got to change. But he wants us to find out what is the problem. If you take the blame for everything, you're never going to fix the problem. If you take the blame for nothing, you're not going to fix the problem. That's a huge thing. We had it first off in the, in the list there. They blame others, not themselves. Second one was they judge others, not themselves. The Word of God says judge yourself. We need to judge ourselves. There is a place for us judging other people as well in the Word of God. And we, we went over, we've gone over them other times before, but uh, most times people are judging people's motives. You can judge people's actions. Doesn't the Word of God say this is sin? If a person goes out and robs a bank, do you need spiritual guidance to find out if they missed it? <laughs> they, they missed it, right? They robbed the bank. We, we know. We can judge some actions. We can't always judge the, the heart. Now, you can sometimes because sometimes people say, you know, you go up to them, why would you do that? Because I hate them. All right, now I can judge your motive because you told me what it was. Said so the people that are in pride, they get angry at others but not themselves. Look at Jeroboam, how he got angry at other people for problems he started. We can't be doing that either. Looked at Edify. Elijah was our example there. How he came out from the cave 
And God spoke three things to him. He summed up this way. First off, get up. Secondly, get back and get busy. Too, uh, too often, people want edification make me feel good. Sometimes God says things that doesn't make you feel good. He wants you to get busy. You need to get back and get going again. Get, get up off your bottom. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and get going. Sometimes that's what edification needs to, needs to be. Uh, we looked at uh, Amplify. That people that are in pride are always amplifying what it is that they do. They amplify it to others. They amplify it to themselves. They're always talking about what it is they did, what, how good it is, how great it is. They always want to prove that God loves me, God works through me, and God sees me as special. <laughs> right? When you do that, you open yourself up to the seeds, as we put it, of unique doctrine. That's why people are going around preaching something new. They opened themselves up to this. They saw them as being special. They amplified all the things that God has done through them, all the things God has shown them. And then the devil comes along with the doctrine of devil and sows it in them and they take it and they start running off with it and telling other people about it. And that's wrong. Folks, we can't get down to stuff that's in the Word of God. Why are we trying to go out there and get stuff that's outside of it? We need to, we need to do this. Uh, last week we looked at they will gossip about others but won't gently correct. So we looked at some of the principles. How do you correct people in the body of Christ? It's, it's amazing. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, babies are born and they don't come with instruction manuals. manuals. They, they just they don't come with it. You know, so you've got to kind of learn what to do, how to, uh, how to feed them, how to change them, all these things. And thank God for some of the people to come along and help you. But there's still some stuff that you just got to figure out how to do on your own. Right? Well, we all feel like we know how to correct people, and we really don't. We went over this with, as we were looking at these things, that until we learn how to receive correction, I'm not qualified to give it. I need to learn how to receive it. I need to learn, because how God speaks correction to me is how I need to speak it to others. Sometimes we see somebody doing something wrong, and we just want to get in there and slap them upside the face. That's not always the best thing. Because sometimes they're not ready for that correction just yet. And if God's not dealing with them on it, why should you? Just understand this. We don't have to be perfect to be serving God. We don't have to be perfect to be worshiping God. We worship God and serve God as imperfect vessels. And God begins to deal with one imperfection at a time. One at a time. He doesn't deal with all 146. (laughs) Thank God we couldn't handle that. He deals with one or two. That's, you know, Steve, work on these things. Get your eyes off that other stuff. Work on these. This is enough. Try and get these things in, in hand. All right, we just work on these. Well, if you come along and start pointing out three, four, five, and six, you're messing up the plan of God. No, just because you see something wrong doesn't mean you don't need to go in, out there and do something. So we went over some of the things with that. If you missed that, you can go up online, hear it, ask for a CD, anything like that that you want to do. Uh, we'll get that for you. But uh, it's important that we understand, how do I offer correction? Because sometimes you may see something needs to be done, and it is not for you to do it. One of the big principles I hope you pulled out from last week is God is in the restoration. He's in the restoration. He wants people restored. Remember, we get the example of the sheep. Shepherd would leave the 99 on the hill to go out to find the one. And what does he say about when that one is found and comes back? What happens to the angels in heaven? They all rejoice. They all get glad. Catch the heart of God, folks. He's in the restoration, not pinpointing people's problems. It's no, no big deal that you found someone's fault. It is a big deal if you've restored them. That's what God's after. 
catch the heart of God. Now, we left off the last thing we said about these things, these traits, and you could probably find others. I just pulled out seven main ones that were uh, shown to me. But here's the last one. Eventually, they love themselves, not others. People who fall into pride will eventually love themselves, not others. It is okay to love yourself. False humility teaches you that you cannot have any love for yourself. That is wrong. Pride says you have love for yourself only. That is wrong. You need to walk down the middle of the road, which is what the humble people do. Humble means I have love for myself. I have love for others. That's where we need to be. We're not supposed to think too highly of ourselves, but we are supposed to think highly of ourselves. How are we supposed to love other people? As you love yourself. If you have no self-love, you cannot love other people. Can't do it. It's okay to love yourself. It's perfectly fine. How many of y'all know God loves himself? <laughs> he, should. he should. He's God. God loves himself. Jesus loves himself. Did you know that? Jesus loves himself. He loves himself a lot. You know how I know that? Because he loves you a lot. He loves us the way he asks us to love others. He demonstrates it. So if he tells us, love others as you love yourself, what's that tell us about him? He loves himself. Therefore, he can love others. See, sometimes we get into this mentality that thinks, if I have love for myself, that means I don't have love for others. That's wrong. The more that you love yourself, the more you can love other people. But if you only decide, I'm only going to love myself and not others, that's when you get into a problem. And pride will pull you into this. Now, here's what this, this scripture we gave you. We're going to read a little bit more of it here today. We're not digging into 2 Timothy. I just want you to see the surface of it. I, I love 2 Timothy. We were into this on the, in the book of Acts. We're finishing up things. This is the last thing Paul wrote. These are his last words. Look what he says here in verse 1 of chapter 3. But know this. That in the last days, are we in the last days? I love what Brother Keith said. We are in the last of the last days than anyone's ever lived in before. (laughs) And that's about right. I mean, you can't get any more accurate than that, right? (laughs) He's not saying anything about how many more there are to go or anything like that. but, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. I take from that that the reason perilous times are coming is because of the love that people have for themselves, which is they will become lovers of themselves, not other people too, just lovers of themselves. That's born of pride. And when they become to where they only seek after the good of their own selves, they only love themselves, problems come in for all kinds of people. He goes on to say this, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power and from such people turn away for this sort, for of this sort are those who creep in the households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins Hang on just a minute. Load down with sins. Pulling in gullible women. That doesn't mean that men can't fall for this either. But see, they see that as a, as, a, as a target. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
Have you ever asked somebody what their opinion was on a verse of Scripture and they begin to recite to you, well, brother so-and-so says this and professor so-and-so says this and this book says this. Yeah, but what do you think? Well, I'm not sure, but, you know, brother so-and-so says this about it. They've got all kinds of knowledge in the topic, topic, but what good is it? Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, you know, brother and sister and professor and all, they have an opinion on it, but one of them is the truth. Which one is it? Well, you just can't know that. Yes, you can. <laughs> we can know the truth. The Word of God said, what about knowing the truth? You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. We can know the truth. Y'all ought to say that to yourself. I can know the truth. We can know. I can know the truth. I can know it. Now, as Jan A's and Jan Brees resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. There's a whole lot of distractions coming in in the end times, folks, to try and pull people out of the Word of God. Now, this is not true of all churches, but there are some churches that no longer teach the Word of God in, in, in church. You go into them, and they don't even open it up. Don't even open the, the Bible. I know people who came out of the very school that I came out of. We found their uh, podcasts, and you know we're always looking for new things to listen to when we're in the shop standing and things like that. And so we pull them out and we listen. And uh, 45 minutes, an hour, not a single word of Scripture. Not a single one. Well, maybe that was just a bad Sunday. Let me pull it up and listen to another one. Not a single word of Scripture. I don't waste my time. If I'm going to hear a sermon, I want to hear the Word of God. I don't want to hear opinions. I don't want to hear people talk about what the Word said. I want to read the Word. (laughs) Read it. I want to get into the Word of God. That's what we need to to do. But they'll progress no further. It says, we've got to get into the, the Word of God. Where do we leave off at? Verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, perseverance persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And that one, that's one of those refrigerator verses, right? <laughs> Put that right up there. <laughs> but he, nobody has that on the refrigerator? Screensaver? Anything like that? Okay. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I love what Rick Renner said one time. He says, you cannot be a deceiver until you are first deceived. Hmm. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. How many have ever seen some of those um, uh, uh, products that they sell? Um, it's going out, right out of my head. So, uh, one, one place I look at all the time, they have this uh, advertisement for it constantly. But they protect your identity. Um, from uh, LifeLock, I think is the one I always hear about. I hear that all the time. Uh, they protect your identity so that if anybody gets it... Now, now, you know, back 20 years, 30 years, there was no company out there called LifeLock. They, why? why? Why is it? Why did, why did we not ever have a LifeLock? People could still have done it, right? Well, there weren't people out there doing these things. When people began to go out there and and get your social security number and find ways to, to fish for your information. 
then the need came up. And so you have that company and there's like two or three other companies that, that I know of that, uh, that do this. And they protect your identity and they make sure that, you know, loans aren't taken out in your name and, and so forth. So they came about because there was opposition. And so now you, you used to pay nothing to protect your identity, right? 20 years ago, how much did you pay on a monthly basis to protect your identity? Nothing. There was no service. Now, 10, 20, 25 bucks a month, you got to put aside if you want to protect your identity. You're not getting anything for it, are you? Because 20 years ago, it was, it was going on. But now you do that because of the fear, because of the problems that you saw go, going on with that. Well, see, the Word of God is telling us that in the end times, these kind of people are going to, to uh, increase. Lawlessness is going to abound. People are going to be lovers of themselves. People are going to be spewing out false doctrine. What's the protection against that? What kind of service can you subscribe to to make sure that you don't get, fall into that? Know the word. If you know the word, you cannot be deceived. You can't be de- If you know what the word of God says, you can't be deceived. If, now, I, I, if somebody came on in here and they uh, worked their way into your trust and they had a word for you and they say, Brother Steve, you need to pick up right now and move out to New Mexico and open up this and, and whatever the prophecy comes out. Well, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, see, because I know what the Word of God says, I know, well, first off, I've got to go take that back to the Word of God. I've got to take that back to the Spirit of God. I've got to pray about it. I've got to have that witness on the inside of me because I know the Word. But if you don't have the Word of God, what would you do? They may pick up and do it. How many of you ever heard people, know people, got a word of prophecy, went out there and did the thing, no direction from the, no direction from the Spirit, no direction from the Word? It didn't, it didn't happen at all. The more you know the Word, the more you cannot be steered off. Even though people come with lying signs and wonders, the Word of God says what happened in the end times. What if somebody comes in, they had all kinds of signs and wonders, and then they gave you a word? Well, I guess it seems like they're a person of God. I mean, look at the signs and look at the wonders. But what's the Word of God say? There'll be lying signs and wonders. What does Jesus say every time he taught about the end times? His first words. Be careful that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name. Hmm. So if that's always what he says, then you need to be careful that you are not deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through which it's Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is given. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That we, men and women of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good service. That's where we need to go. Now, I take you on over to John chapter 21. This is not in your, your uh, outline. You can write it down if you want to. But I want you to see, we didn't just pull this sermon title out of the hat. This is uh, something that comes from the words of Jesus. So have our, uh, have our prop ready. <laughs> Remember this now. 
So when they had eaten breakfast, verse 15, John chapter 21, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Did you know that song was inspired by the Word of God? I forgot the name of the group. I saw it when I was pulling it up, and I forgot the name of the group already who did it. I got to watch the video of it. That was kind of funny. I enjoyed that. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Now, if you get into the Greek, we're not going to break this down. I just wanted to see this real quick, but don't want you to forget this. Do you love me? He's saying to him, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again, second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time. He does not do this three times because Peter betrayed him three times. People who teach that, people who believe that, what kind of a view do you have of God? All right, you missed it. I'm going to remind you about it every time I can. Is that the view you have of God? No. The reason he said it three times is because the first two times he called Peter to a certain level. And Peter says, you know, you know about me. Because remember before he said, you're going to betray me. And he said, I will not. I will not. I will not. I'm ready to die for you. And what did he do? He betrayed him. So this time he says, Peter, do you love me? He says, you know what? I can't lie to you. You know all things. You know that I just phileo you. He says to him the second time, do you agape me? He says, Lord, I can't lie to you. You know that I phileo you. So he says to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time. Not because he said the third time. He was grieved because he said the third time, do you phileo me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So do you love me? Do we love God? Do you love God or do you love you? Which one? Which one do you love more? You're going to love one more. You're going to love one more. Which one do you love more? We need to love God more. Not others. God. He needs to be number one in our life. So here we go. Now, of all the people in the Word, we always like to have an example whenever we can. Of all the people in the Word of God that I can think of, the best example of people in the Word of God who were in love with themselves that I can think of, the Pharisees. Pharisees, the Sadducees, the lawyers, you know, the group that always opposed Jesus. Can you think of a better group that's more in love with themselves? This is the same group who called Peter and John before them. After a great miracle had been done. And what they say? You need to stop preaching in this name. And now uh, when they went through the battle for a bit, they said, you know, we can't deny that a great miracle has been done. They would want to deny that a great miracle has been done. But we can't do that. That's people that are in love with themselves. These are people who got mad at Jesus healing on the Sabbath, but had no trouble planning how to murder someone on the Sabbath. I'd say these are great people for, for ones that are in love with themselves. So these are the ones that we use in Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? 
<laughs> now look, at this is, I mean, if you're in Jesus' position, these are fighting words, aren't they? Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of our fathers? He says, well, why do you also transgress the commandment of God? <laughs> All right, you want to give me one tradition of men, I'll give you the commandments of God. I'm sure that didn't go over well. Why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Well, they had more love for their tradition than they did for the commandment of God. That's why they did it. How is it that we can... T- First, uh, First John tells us this. John tells us this in his letter. How is it that I can show people that I love God? Hereby you know that you love Him if you keep His commands. Right? I can do all kinds of other stuff. I can show all the works that I did. I can show all the times I go to church. I can show how much I pray. I can do all... But what's the Word of God say? By this you know... That you love Him if you keep His commands. In order to keep His commands, you've got to know His commands. In order to know His commands, you've got to get into His Word. What did David always say about the Word of God? I delight in your Word. I delight in your Word. People who are in love with God are in love with His Word. You cannot help it. People who are in love with God are in love with His Word. That's how you can tell. The Bible tells us that. No better way to get to it than that. But these people will trans- tr- trespass God's word to perform their traditions. And they are easily offended, but hard to change. People who are in pride, who have gone into the place where they are in love with themselves, are easily offended and difficult to change. I hope that never describes you. You should never be easily offended. Never. There should no one be able to step into your life and offend you quickly. It, sh- it shouldn't happen. And if God speaks something to you and says, Steve, you need to change this over here. What should I do? I need to change immediately. Remember the example we looked at last week? David, the prophet comes to him and says, you are the man. What's David say? I have sinned. He changes. When the Word of God comes to us, we need to change. That's the sign of a humble heart. We receive correction. Prideful one, you receive correction. I'm not, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't believe you brought that up to me. I'm mad at you. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. You brought that up to me. Well, if you respond that way to people, how do you respond to God when He corrects you? Do the same thing. Do the same thing. Don't do it. It's, it's, it's a wrong place. And remember 2 Timothy chapter 3. What's he say to do with people that are in this condition? Have close fellowship with them? Ask them their opinion of Scripture? <laughs> no, what are you supposed to do? Don't get any close fellowship with those folks. They're going to pull you down. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandments of God no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites. <laughs> mm. Hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, These people draw me, near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God wants our heart to be close to him, not our mouth. 
Christians who show up at church every Sunday and with their mouth sing songs of praise, with their mouth recite scriptures, with their mouth talk about how much they like all the people that they work with and with their, 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 how much they love their family, and then they go on home and do something completely different. Their hearts are not right. You need to get your heart right. He says, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me. That's strong words. Teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. Teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. We've told you this, and this has been our, our, our uh, mode of operation ever since the day we started this church. Anything that I've ever taught you about how you should order your life on a regular basis, we give you three principles. You should know them by now. First off, it is taught clearly in the Word of God. It is not some veiled reference. Secondly, it is taught often in the Word of God, not once or twice. And third, it is demonstrated. If your life is to be dictated by the principle, it is taught clearly, it is taught often, and it is demonstrated. If you cannot find those three things in the Word of God, don't live your life by it. Now, there are things in the Word of God that don't meet that criteria. One of the things we just talked about in recent weeks, the, uh, uh, the teaching about the, the race of men here before Adam. We, there's, a, there's a few places in Scripture you can get the teaching from. And, but, but does it affect the way you live your life? Absolutely not. It's, because it's not often mentioned because it's nothing about how you're supposed to, to dictate your life, your life. Don't worry about it. It's just something to know. One of those things. There's a lot of things in the Word of God He just gives us to know. This is what happened. But the things about faith, about love, about hope, these are important. And they're, they're repeated. The teaching is clear. And there's people in the Word of God who did it. Got to make sure that you, you follow after those things. They draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching those doctrines, the commandment of men. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not that what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, that defiles a man. If your kids ever tell you they don't need to wash up for dinner, and you get on them about it. Are you on yourself as much about what comes out of your mouth? Because what Jesus is telling us here is what goes into our mouth does not defile us. It's what comes out. Because what comes out of your mouth is from your heart. What goes in your mouth goes into your stomach and is eliminated, the Word of God tells us. But what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. There's no elimination for that. Verse, verse 13. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And as the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. And he went on and explained some of the, the things there to them. Well, don't follow after blind people. If people cannot teach you what the Word of God says, they're blind. Well, I'm not sure really what their Bible means here, or what it might mean this. They're, they're blind. Don't follow that. Don't get behind folks who teach you the traditions of men. That's not going to help you out. It's going to help you out as the light of the Word of God. Well, put in your outline here, this happens when your honor is displaced. It's given to the wrong, wrong ones. We've honored the wrong things. They honored tradition. God says you need to honor the Word. They honored tradition. They gave. They had honor. We all give honor to something. 
but they gave honor to the wrong thing. It was displaced. Honor is given to themselves. Honor is given to those who honor them. And honor is given to those who honor the things they see as important. As far as the Pharisees were concerned, as our example of people who fall in love with themselves. Honor is given to themselves. Honor is given to those who honor them. And honor is given to those things they see as important. Well, here's this, the second one. Interact. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 32, And they went out, behold, the, the, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It has never been like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said he cast out demons by the roller of demons. People who are in love with themselves because of the pride that is in them find themselves accusing instead of diffusing. They accuse instead of diffuse. They come into a situation and what they do when they see something going on, they accuse people. You did this, you did this, you're wrong. They don't diffuse the situation. The love of God comes in and diffuses the situation. Pride comes in. Love of self comes in and throws accusations around. That's not godly. It's not the way God wants to do it. In uh, verse 9 in Matthew chapter 12. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into the synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep? And if he falls into a pit into the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he said to them, to the man, Stretch out your hand. See, what he's showing them is the heart of God. This is the heart of God. Your tradition, your law says don't do anything on the Sabbath, but the heart of God is, let's, let's help him out. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. I like, uh, I think it's Luke who uh, puts it this way. He, he tells the man, he says, be arising into the midst. He says, stand forth. And the actual Greek would come out and say, be arising into the midst. In other words, he's telling the man, there's a, there's a thing going on here and people want to see what we're going to do. I want you to arise in the midst of this. Have you ever been in a group of people and you could tell they are all fired up about something, just waiting for somebody to say something about that topic, about that thing, and they're all going to go off? This man knew what was going on. Jesus says, be arising into the midst of this. He says, man, I don't want to be part of all this. And God says, rise up. So he rises up. He says, uh, take that withered hand you can't extend, extend it. And he did, and it was healed. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. And the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. So they're saying it's not lawful to heal on the Sabbath, but then in practice they go out and plan how to destroy someone on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath. They don't even wait till the next day. You know, they all get together and say, you know what? It's not lawful for us to plan out how to, how to kill a person on the Sabbath. Let's wait until you know, Monday or something like that. They don't, they don't do that. They, they go off and they... Of course, it's not lawful for them to plan to kill anybody either. But that's beside the point. <laughs> but you see, they, they stood here. They saw the man. He needed to be healed. Their heart was not for the man. Their heart was, can we catch Jesus? That's a, that's a sign that people are in love with themselves. How many of you work with people like that? <laughs> they're in love with themselves all they want to do is try and trip you up if they can trip you up pull you down they can elevate themselves they just as soon step on your body to get higher these are folks that are in love with yourselves 
The Word of God gives you counsel on how to deal with people like that. But don't get down on their level. Don't do that. You're, you're going to lose if you get down on that level. Brother Hagin used to always teach us. He says, uh, with the devil, he said, keep him in the arena of faith. If you keep him in the arena of faith, you win. He wants to pull you into the arena of doubt. And there you'll lose. Hmm. Yep. They want to find fault instead of benefit. They want to find fault. People that are in love with themselves want to find fault. They don't want to find what will benefit the people here. What will benefit the company? What will benefit other people? They want to find fault. Because to people who are in love with themselves, if you excel, it means they cannot. And see, in the kingdom of Jesus, kingdom of God, he doesn't look at it that way. He says, you excel if everybody else excels. That's, that's the kingdom of God. That's how we need to, to go. All right, this didn't make it into your outline. But uh, they test to fail and expose instead of honor and promote. They test to fail. They throw, they're, they're doing this to test Jesus. But they test for the purpose of failing. Have you ever had a professor who tested people and he almost always gave out failures? No one got an A. Few people got a B. Handful of people get a C. Bunch of people get Ds. And everybody else gets Fs. You ever had a professor like that? What a ridiculous professor to have. That, that professor, I don't know them, but that professor is in love with himself. Right? He's trying to show, I am superior and you cannot, you are not on my level. Then he's there, he writes tests to prove that. A good professor, a good teacher is one who communicates the knowledge so that when people come out of the classroom, they not only have the knowledge, they have the passion. They are equipped to do whatever's in there. A poor professor is one when you come out of the classroom, you think about how smart the professor is and how dumb you are. That's a poor professor. That's not good. Jesus is not a poor professor. He wants you coming out of there feeling, I can do this. <laughs> I, can, I can know this. He says, yeah, you can. You can do it. But that's not the uh, folks that are in love with themselves. Uh, here's a verse of scripture for you. Matthew chapter 19, verse 1. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan and great multitudes followed him and he healed them there. And the Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful, lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? They don't really care about the answer. They care about catching Jesus in something. That's all they care. They don't really care about finding out the truth. They care about catching Jesus in something. You ever been at work with people who do this? How about relatives? You know, Thanksgiving, Christmas dinner. Everybody's coming around. And some people like to throw these things out. They don't care about the answer. They just want to get you. They, they know you're a Christian. They know you're a believer. And they're not. They just want to catch you in something. Show you how stupid Christianity is. That's what they're doing here. He answered and said to them, Have you not read that he made them at the beginning, male and female? And he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What does Jesus teach about marriage? It's real clear. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Not a man and a man. Not a woman and a woman. Not a person and a dog. Or their parakeet. Or anything like that. Jesus is teaching. It's the words of Jesus. 
between a man and a woman. That's what Jesus taught, right? Should we believe what Jesus taught? Should we believe what public opinion is in the country? No. No. We are not. If they make it illegal for us to teach that here, we will still teach it here. Just so you know. They can come in, they can arrest men, we're not going to make it. Not going to make anything else. They say that they're that we are intolerant of other opinions while they become intolerant of us. That's not wrong. That's that's wrong. We don't ever tell anybody, you know, if you're married male to male, that uh, that uh, you know you're no good, or, or we don't try and go out there and kill you, or or if you want to live that way, all right. But you know you're gonna there's a problem. <laughs> there's a problem. This is what the word of God says, and we want you to avoid that problem. But we're not going to hate you in the meantime. We don't have to hate people in sin. Don't have to do it at all. And they don't have to change for us. Because no matter what, we're going to heaven. We just like to see them come along with us. That's all. The Word of God tells us, you know, if you see a person going in the way of death and you don't warn them, you're guilty. So we warn them. But we can't make them turn. That's wrong. You can't do that. But again, we're the intolerant ones. So then... They are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command to give us to get a divorce and to put her away? We're trying to catch him. He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it wasn't this way. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, God, God gave a consensus on this, but that's not the way he wanted it. But because you guys are heart of heart, he went ahead and did it this way. And I say to you, whoever decrees his wife except for sexual morality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Let me read one other verse here. Matthew 22, verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. Well, let's take a look at what he says here. This is just, this, you, you, catch the, this is the heart of people that are in love with themselves. And they sent to him after their disciples with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in, in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of man. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Because <laughs> if we don't pay, you know, then we'll... Well, I heard somebody talking about this week, you know, with all this stuff going on with the IRS and the, uh, somehow just lost the emails of Lois Lerner during the questionable time. And it happened 10 days after the, it hit the, uh, the newspaper. 10 days after it hit the newspapers is when her hard drive crashed. 10 days and the, everything was lost. And it wasn't reported for, what, a year or two later? Whatever it was. And then six other people who just happened to be involved in the, their, their emails got lost too. It just, just happened. It's, it's just one of those things, you know, it's... Just uh, have, I mean, and we have a backup, but it's so complicated to get them off. You know, we just didn't bother trying. It's what they were saying. Okay. You try and pull this if the IRS gives you a, an audit, because you're supposed to keep records for how long? Seven years. Tell them your hard drive crashed and you lost all your information. See if that flies. <laughs> I don't think it will. What do you think? But anyway, here's the question: Should we pay taxes or not? Somebody asks Jesus, Jesus, should we pay taxes or, or not? Hmm. I like the way that it's phrased over here in Mark. They sent to him some of the Pharisees and Herodians to catch him in his words. And when they had come, they said to him, Teacher, what's their purpose in coming? Yes. To catch them, him in his words. 
So when they came, teacher, we know that you are true and care about no one. For you do not regard the person of men, but teach the way of truth. Pouring it on thick, aren't they? Just because people come up and, and they speak all manner of nice things about you, listen to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God may be saying, don't listen to that one. The Spirit of God will come down up on the inside. They're not, don't listen. Don't trust this one. Don't do it. Because you're in the same position here that Jesus was in. We don't need to, we don't need to go that way. Be warned. Just know. Here's the other thing. Actions. In Matthew chapter 21. Verse 23. Now when he had come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? And Jesus answered and said to them, I will ask you one thing, but if you would tell me, I will likewise tell you what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all counted John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. <laughs> just understand this, folks. Just because people ask you a question doesn't mean they deserve an answer. Sometimes you throw out answers to people and that you don't need to do it. We have a, we need to always be in the area of truth. Being in the area of truth does not always mean divulging everything you know. There are sometimes you keep things to yourself. Now, the, the obvious scripture, don't cast your pearls before swine. It doesn't mean you're calling everybody pigs. It just means don't put stuff that is valuable in front of people who won't value it. That's all. Simply what he's teaching you. You may know some things and it may be have some value. Don't throw it out to people if they don't know how to treat it as valuable. And the same thing, God is going to do the same thing. If you don't know how to treat his word as valuable, he's not going to give you the, 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 the meaning of stuff. Because you don't know how to treat it as valuable. You've got to learn how to do that. So Jesus isn't going to tell him this. But he goes on in verse 28. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first son first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went. Then he came and second said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the Father? It's a pretty simple question, isn't it? The one who said he would do it and didn't, or the one who said he wouldn't do it, and did. Which one did the will of the Father? The one who did it, right? Yeah. What's he teaching you? He says, I don't care what you say with your mouth. What have you done? Anyone can say something with their mouth. What are you doing? You can say you honor the Word of God. What are you doing with the Word of God? Are you doing the Word of God? Are you doing your own thing? Again, Jesus would ask us, Get our prop going. Jesus would answer what? Right. Do you love me? How do you know? How do you know that you love Jesus? Keep his commandments. Keep his commandments. If you keep his commandments, it means you do his word. That's what it means. So if, if the father says go into the field, by his word, what do you do? Go into the field. That's what you do. Glory to God. You've got to listen to him. We've got to find out to follow out to him. Well, the whole rest of the chapter deals with some stuff there. You can go on out there. I gave you the whole reference there. You can go in there and, and take a look at those things. Uh, good teaching about the vine dresser and how he would come and destroy because they were not taking care of the, the vineyard the way that they should. 
They were not doing what they were supposed to do, what they promised to do with it. Verse 46, though, that chapter. Go back to verse 45. Now, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parable, they perceived that he was speaking of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. People who are in love with themselves hear everything about themselves. If you walk in to people who love themselves, they walk in on a conversation you have, what do they assume you're talking about? Are you talking about me? What are you saying? All right. Because they're in love with themselves. You can't be saying anything nasty about me. They see everything in light of that. And they would want to do, they want to do certain things, but they're afraid of the people. They're afraid of the people. So they don't do it. They have to try and get the people in front. When do they eventually go out and get Jesus? When the people aren't around. And then they try and turn the people's opinions in that. And that's for the folks that you're working around. How many, you know, you work around and they try and get people's opinions against you. God will help you. Just tune into God. He's going to help you do that. He's going to help you fight that, that kind of stuff off. How did he had to do it. So we have here some of their actions. There are the actions of their own. These are things that they do. And there are actions from others. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, is what he says. He says, show us a sign. If you want to be us to believe that you're God, show us a sign. People who are in pride, who have fallen in love with themselves, and have accomplished what Second Timothy said, they are lovers of themselves, are always looking for something to be done for them. People who are in love with themselves want stuff done for them. How many of you have people in your life always want something to be done for them? What will that tell you? They are lovers of themselves. They are in pride. How should you respond to these people? Should you cater to their every whim? How did Jesus respond to them? Cut them off. He cut them off. They're always looking for something to be done for them. Instead of, this is huge, instead of in them. They're always looking for something to be done for them instead of in them. Look at Jesus' answer again. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repent, repented at the preaching of Jonah and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it for she came up from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. How is a greater than Solomon here? I thought Solomon was the greatest one on the earth as far as wisdom was concerned. It's simple. Where did Solomon learn it from? <laughs> learned, it from learned it from God. When an unclean spirit goes out, this is this. Make sure we get here. Verse 42. The queen of the south will come up. Okay, we did read that one. Verse 43. Get the meaning of this. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes to dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, 
and swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. This is exactly what Jesus is teaching. These folks were looking for something to be done for them. He called them an evil and adulterous generation. And then he ends it with this. When you cast out a demon out of a person, he goes and comes back, finds it all swept and clean, but empty. Empty. He goes out and finds seven other spirits more evil than himself, and they all come in and inhabit the place. He is saying this. Something is not to be done for you. Something needs to be done in you. In you. As long as you are in love with yourself, as long as pride dominates your, your heart, God cannot change what is in you. If He cannot change what is in you, your end result won't differ. He's got to change what's in you. And that's what He wants to do. He wants the Spirit of God to come on the inside of you. He wants you to be able to follow after the Spirit of God. Here's the last one, Revelations. In Luke chapter 7, verse 36, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And when he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Now, this kind of seems kind of funny because how many people in the city are sinners? All of them. <laughs> They're all sinners, right? We're born into sin. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet and her tears and wipe them with her hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, spoke to himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. <laughs> Behind him says, This guy can't be very good. If he, was, if he was any good at what he did, he'd know this is a sinner. Oh, certainly. Go ahead and say anything you want to to me. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to pay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom the little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Here's the thing you've got to realize. With people who have fallen in love with themselves because of the pride that is in their heart, they can only see what is visible to their eyes. People who are in love, have fallen in love with themselves and walk in such a way, like the Pharisees, like the Sadducees, like the lawyers did, can only see what is visible to their eyes and miss what is revealed in the Spirit.
they miss what is revealed in the Spirit. People who are in love with themselves won't see what is revealed in the Spirit. When Jesus taught in parables, he taught so that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and the lawyers would not see the truth. It wouldn't be revealed to him. But Jesus said to his disciples, these things are to be revealed because they were in love with God. These other folks were in love with themselves. They can only see what is visible to their eyes. When you are dealing with... How many would say that in your work, in your home, in your neighborhood, you deal with people that are in love with themselves? Got, they got love on themselves all over. And they are out to try and pull you down. They're out to try and catch you in your words. They're out to try and take your promotions away from you. Here's the thing you've got to get. This is the area that sets you apart. It's in the area of revelations. They are limited to only being able to act on what they can see. You get to act on what is revealed. That sets you head and shoulders above everyone else. The devil has put us in fear of people who act like this that are around us, that are on our jobs, that we, we think they're going to keep us from being promoted. They're going to keep us from this. We see all these things where we're afraid. You don't get that fear from God because God says they can only act on what they see. And what they see oftentimes will deceive them. You get to act on what I reveal to you. Wow. You are head and shoulders above them. Should you fear them? Uh Uh-uh. You should not. Now understand this. Not all the people that are in love with themselves because of the pride that is in their heart are outside in the world. There's a whole mess of them in the church. That's why we use this example. The Pharisees, the Herodians, the Sadducees. Where are they at? They're in the synagogues. They're in the church. This is who they dealt with. Don't you worry about it. You get to act on what God reveals. Which just means praying the Spirit. Get into His Word. Spend that time with God. God will show you in minutes things they will not figure out ever. He will pour out to you in a few sentences things that will guide you on your workplace and set you head and shoulders above everyone else. You want an example of it? Go back into the book of Daniel. Daniel set himself apart and people wanted to pull him down. And what happened to Daniel? God kept revealing things to him and he kept soaring in the kingdom. David It was revealed to him that he would become king. And he kept soaring in the kingdom above everyone else. It will happen to you as well. Here's the summary. You've got to identify the love of your life. What is the love of your life? What is the thing that you love? If you love God, if you love yourself, maybe the things of the world, whatever it might be, What is the love of your life? The love of your life should not be your spouse. should not be your children. It should not be your family. It should be God. Here's how you identify it. What do you honor? What do you honor? Of all the things in your life, what do you give honor to? Do you give honor to the Word? Do you give honor to position? Do you give honor to money? Do you give honor to substance? Do you give honor to the things that you have? What is it that you give honor to? If you give honor to His Word, it ought to be evident. 
We have a reading program we do here in the church that every day we're reading the Word of God. Well, five days a week we read out of the Word of God. You should be listening to things during the week to be hearing the Word of God over and over. You should be studying the Word. You should be praying. This you'll do if you honor God more than anything else. What do you honor? Here's the second one. What do you highlight? Do you highlight people's faults? Do you highlight people's accomplishments? Do you highlight the Word of God? Do you highlight the traditions of men? What is it that you bring? When you bring a spotlight in on things, what do you shine that spotlight on? How many of y'all know we got people in our life and every time we make a mistake, people want to just shine that spotlight on that mistake. Look at what you did. What What do you bring the spotlight in? What do you think God brings the spotlight in on? Some folks have learned God to be such a way that he spotlights all your mistakes and he shows them off to everybody around you. That's not our God. That's not who he is. You, you mislearn God. That's not how he operates. He doesn't want us to operate that way either. When Jesus was brought, had that woman brought who was caught in the very act of adultery. We talked about it before. If a woman is caught in the act of adultery, who should be there before Jesus? The woman and the man. But who was brought before Jesus? The woman. So it was obviously a setup. The woman is brought before Jesus. Does Jesus highlight her sin? No. He doesn't even spotlight the sins of the others. He just brings a spotlight to sin in general. And one by one, they began to fall away. He was without sin, cast the first stone. And when the, everyone was gone, he turns to the woman and he says, Where are your accusers? She says, They have gone. And he said to her, Beautiful words. Get this. This is the heart of God. Neither do I accuse you. Go. And sin no more. That's our God. He doesn't bring spotlight to her when we missed it. But he wants to encourage us to go on. And not to sin anymore. Because the sin hurts us. holds us back. Number three. What do you do? What do you do? Do you do the word? Do you do what the word of God says? Do you do something else? Do you follow after traditions of men? How many have ever heard... Godliness is next to or cleanliness is next to godliness. Yeah, it's not in the Word of God. It's not in the Word of God. Did you know that? It's not in the Bible. How many of you all know it's a good idea to be clean? But it's not biblical. It's not in the Bible. It's still, it's still good. Go out there and take a shower. Take a bathroom. It's a good good idea. It's a. I remember uh, Brother Keith Moore was talking about it one time. He got done preaching on something. And taught something that was against what somebody had, had believed or thought was true. And it came up to him. And they said to her, and this woman said to, to Brother Keith, Yeah, but the song says. And he said, What? The song. The song said, and she quoted the song. The, the song. The song they sang in church. The song said. I don't know. What the, he never said what the song was. The song said. The The song. But the scripture says, yeah, but the song says. <laughs> what are you going to do? Are you going to do what the song says or are you going to do what the word says? We've got some songs out there that are not exactly scriptural. What do you honor? What do you highlight? What do you do? Here's the last one. What do you see? What do you see? Can you only see what is natural? Can you only see what people do, what people say? Or can you go beyond that? And see into what is revealed. What the Spirit of God has done. 
Remember when Jesus had his disciples before him? He says, who do men say that I am? Peter stood up and he said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're a prophet. And he says to him, who do you say that I am? He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said to him, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And it said, it goes on to tell us that from that point on, he began to teach them about his death and his resurrection. And eventually Peter pulled him aside because of that. But he doesn't teach them that until this was revealed. God wants to reveal things to you that you can act on. Things at work, things in your neighborhood, things in your family. And God is concerned with all of those things. Countless examples of it in the Word of God. I'll give you one. Remember when the king of Israel was being plagued by the king of Syria and they kept trying to catch him? The, the king of Syria kept trying to catch the king of Israel. And so Elisha would say, don't go this way. They've laid a trap for you. And so he would go by another way. And the king of Syria was getting frustrated because every trap he would lay, the king of Israel circumvented it. He eventually called a meeting. He says, who here is telling the king of Israel what we're doing? And they said, no one. But there's a prophet for the king who knows the very things you say in your bedroom. Hmm. That's how God, our God is. How do you fight against that? Listen to what God has to say. Don't be in love with yourself. Be in love with God. Fall in love with Him. He is first off and number one. How do I know that I'm in love with God? I do His Word. How do I know if I do His Word? Because I've gotten to know His Word. I read His Word. I study His Word. I hear His Word over and over. I know what His Word has commanded me. I do His Word. I do His Word. I don't know if you were as shocked as I was, but I heard some of the testimony from the guy who was in the IRS. And he said this to him. If you didn't hear it, if you did hear it, I'd love to hear it. Were you as shocked at this as I was? They asked him. The senator asked him. He says, I guess he had a law degree. It's been a while since he practiced law. He says, how do you know that no laws have been broken? He says, well, I can assure you that no laws have been broken. He says, how do you know that no law has been broken? What laws have you referenced to say that they were not broken? He said, out of his own mouth, the head of the IRS, none. Does that shock you? How can you know if you didn't break any laws? And the, the senator was, was, was firm with him. How can you know if you, broke, if you broke any laws if you don't know what the laws are? He says, well, common sense would tell me. Does common sense tell you what's in the Word of God? No. What tells you what's in the Word of God? The Word of God. Don't fall after that example of that IRS guy. Know the Word. Know the Word. How do you know? I, I don't think I've done anything against God. What references in Scripture are you referring to? I don't really have any. I don't really know the Word. But I don't think I've done anything against it. How do you know? You see, the love of God that we should have should throw us into a close fellowship with Him so that I get into His Word on a regular basis. I dig into His Word. I listen to His Word. I consume His Word. And when I find out what His Word says, and it says, Steve, you can change here and line up with the I will make that change immediately. Why? Because I am in love with God. And as soon as he corrects me, 
I will make the change. Pride says, no, I don't need to change. You need to change. I'm just fine the way I am. What references do you have for that? What scriptures do you have? I don't need any scriptures. I know I'm okay. That's that's not right. It's not right. The Word of God says that in the end times, men will become lovers of themselves. He's not just talking about the world. He's also talking about the church. Don't be common among the numbers of those who have become lovers of themselves. Because you will be robbed of many a blessing that God would have for you. Many a blessing. God wants to bring you into such abundance. Do not fear the people that are around you that are lovers of themselves and have concocted all kinds of plans because God will work you around everything that they have concocted against you. You will be the roadrunner. They will be the coyote. Every single Acme kit they bought and set up will fail. It will fail. And you will go right on around and work. I, I only watched that show a few times when I was a kid, but it was, pretty, it was pretty neat. How the guy could paint a tunnel on a solid piece of rock and the coyote could go through it. I mean, that was kind of remarkable, wasn't it? And then he would say, well, it shouldn't have worked that way. And he ran into the tunnel and he'd smack. Yep. But our God is that supernatural. That the plans that men have formed against you, he will skirt you around. And what should not work for you will work. And people around you will be left aghast. How did that work for them? How did they not go down? How did they not fall? Because you are not a lover of yourself. You are a lover of God. You honor his word. Don't follow after the example of the Pharisees. They knew the word greatly. But they didn't do it. It's not good enough for us to learn the word. We talked about it before in this, in this series. If we learn the word and it doesn't ever change us, what do we become in the body of Christ? A wart in the body of Christ. Because the word of God is supposed to affect our words, our actions, our reactions, and our thoughts. And our thoughts. Don't be a wart in the body of Christ. Joe, stand up with me. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. You have called us to a place to influence those that are unsaved and those that are saved around us. There are some people that are born again or saved or go to church that are around us but have not followed after the pattern that they should follow and we need to help them. There are also those, Father, that are unsaved that are trying to bring us down and you won't let them. We just need to spend our time with you to hear from you. Revelation comes from us. We see things that are not immediately evident to all those that are around us. And because we act on it, we soar. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. For every situation that we're in, whether it be at work, whether it be in the neighborhood, whether it be a family situation, whatever it is, and people want us to fall, people want us to go down, we will not, for we will stand with you. We will stand with you. We are in love with our God. Thank you, Father, for that. Help us to feed that love every single day. To get into your word, and we see your word, we do it. We get into your word again, we see your word, we do it. We get into your word again, we see some new things in your word, and we do it. Thank you, Father, for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. we got some uh, praise reports. If you are here and...
you didn't get your purge report in, write it down on a card. Raise your hand up. We'll get a card over here for you. And you can write that down. Uh, nothing is too small for us to hear about. We want to hear what God is doing. The Word of God ought to be working, right? The Word of God ought to be working for us. Hi, this is from Mandy, and I praise God for this. You know, I'm so excited that we acknowledge God in everything that He does for us. Mm, um, amen. Mandy says that the ladies' breakfast and the word today, um, the word given by Chelsea and the word that was taught by Pastor Steve, uh, encouraged me. She said, it's been, a, it's been a fight to get into the rest and the peace, but God loves me and he's on my side. Fear and anxiety have to go. Amen. Praise God. Um, this is from Bruce, and I'm very excited to hear this one. He says, after seeking to switch from the night shift, God has made a way for me to be awarded the day shift hours now. Hallelujah. Hey. Yeah, amen. That's been a long time coming. <laughs> now, this one is from Alicia. So when you see her come over from Children's Church, you have to congratulate her. She says, in the third period, I went down in three subjects. She says, and then finals came, and I went back up in those subjects. So now she has graduated to the fourth grade. <laughs> amen. Um, Sharon says, we were looking for a car for Joe, but God worked it out where Joe got to... Oh, Joe got her car, and now she got a new car. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Um, this is from Jolly and Mercy. Um, Otani, he's the young, no, second to the youngest, right? Israel's youngest. Israel's youngest, yes. Yeah, uh, was healed of an acute st- um, stomach upset and was able to sleep through the night. So praise God for his healing powers. Amen. You have um, a prayer request? Mm-hmm. 